Hello, I'm John Waters, and I'm supposed to announce there is no smoking in this theater, which I think is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of in my life. How can anyone sit through a length of a film, especially a European film, and not have a cigarette? But don't you wish you had one right now? Mmm, 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 mmm. And I'm telling you, smoke anyway. It gives ushers jobs. And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So once again, no smoking in this theater. Thank you very much for listening to Try Love, a literal roundtable podcast where we talk about movies we saw or people we met at or through the Trilon Cinema in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You can find them on Twitter at Trilon Cinema. You can find us on Twitter at Try Love Podcast. My name is Jason Daphnis, and you can find me on Twitter at Nintendoofus. I'm Cody Narvison. A fortune teller told me I'd strike it rich by 30. And you can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH. I'm Harry Mackin. I'm Harry Mackin, and now that I've said it twice, I can't take it back. You can find me on Twitter at Chitake Harry. Uh, and I'm Aaron. You can find me on Twitter at RB Please. You can pretend that I just sang the entirety of the song as tears go by for my uh, quotation. Uh, in Cantonese more. or in English? Uh, uh, in, in English. I, Jason, if you could just in, kind of insert just the entire, you know, four-minute song, I think, there. That I'm making would, a uh, note. I'm making potting. a note. Yeah, thanks. Uh, and you know who it is joining us again today for our uh, first in a series uh, starting the new year. We have Jenny Ackerson joining us. Thank you very much, Jenny, for being here. Thank you so much for having me. And imagine that I'm doing this in a slow motion sequence, please. Thank you so much. Um, I'm on Twitter, Ackerson Jenny. Wait, everybody. I'm waiting for the slow motion sequence to finish. All right, now we can start the podcast. Today, we are speaking about As Tears Go By. I believe this was Wong Kar Wai's debut film, right? As part of a series uh, on Wong Kar Wai that's playing virtually at the Trilon. Um, so I think Aaron has got a little bit to say about what this movie's about for us. Indeed. As Tears Go By, 1988 film directed by Wong Kar Wai, tells the story of Wa, played by Andy Lau. Uh, he's a member of the mob in Hong Kong who, despite being relatively low on the totem pole, is nevertheless respected for his ruthless attitude and ability to collect debts for his bosses. He's associated with another young man in the mob named Fly, played by Jackie Chung, who is Wa's subordinate and kind of referred to as his, with scare quotes, brother uh, in the mob. Wa treats him as a brother. Um, he also, uh, Wa also meets his female cousin, uh, Angor, played by Maggie Chung, uh, who stays with him uh, visiting Hong Kong from Lantau Island in order to see a doctor about a medical condition of hers. Despite the fact that they're cousins, uh, despite uncomfortable aspects of Wa's work with the mob, and despite his violent nature, the two nevertheless spark up a romantic relationship. When Fly, however, gets into frequent violent altercations with a fellow gang member named Tony, played by Alex Mann, Wa is forced to choose between the love he has for Angor and the love and loyalty he feels towards his friend. Um, this is Wong Kar Wai's debut film. Uh, that also means that it's the first film that he worked with Maggie Chung on. Uh, Maggie Chung would be a frequent collaborator, collaborator with him uh, in the future. This was also, uh, at the time, a large box office hit in Hong Kong. Uh, and remained Wong Kar Wai's biggest hit in Hong Kong, uh, despite his kind of overall international acclaim, until uh, 2013's The Grandmaster. Jason, take it away. Wow, wonderful. I don't know what the more there is to say. Thank you very much for listening to Trilove. That's this the pod, yeah. That's it. Uh, uh, fine uh, summary. A fine, fine summary. Um, and really the extent of most Letterboxd reviews that I saw. Uh, this is essentially... Okay, so this is... 
I think I already said, but you said it's um, Wong Kar Wai's de- debut film, 1988. I have never seen any Wong Kar Wai films before this. This is my first. Um, and I don't know that it was the best place to start to really like maybe get a vibe or like a feeling of the whole vocabulary there. Like watching this movie, I really enjoyed the way it looked and sounded, but I don't know if those have added up for me. Uh, and I just watched this yesterday, so maybe I need more time to stew with it, but I don't know that they've added up to like a particularly strong or impactful like feeling or vibe or language. I feel like I've, I've gotten like some of the words that he, that would become later his visual or excuse me, his film vocabulary, but I don't know that I'm getting the whole language yet. Um, that's my short take on it is that I really found it quite compelling. I found it an interesting peek into, uh, like some really like compelling characters. Um, and obviously it's, it's beautiful at many times, but there are often times that it, uh, it seems to like the form seems to belie what it like the message or the story that it's trying to tell us sometimes. Um, that's just my quick run, but I'll let the rest of the team go on theirs too. Yeah. I would just like to say, sorry to interrupt uh, the usual format, Cody, but I'm super glad that we have Jenny on now because uh, she's a big Wong Kar Wai stand. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to have her on. Um, and I also am. And so it's going to be super fun to hear uh, the perspective of somebody who is already familiar with Wong Kar Wai versus a new perspective. And I think that's that's what makes this movie super interesting is the fact that um, it is sort of an unusual place, ironically, to come in. Um, and so maybe we'll we'll sort of talk about that as we go, as much as we talk about this movie, if that works for you, uh, Jason and everybody, because I'm really interested in um, how uh, a relationship with Wong Kar Wai that's pre-existing can affect um, your understanding of this movie, because it really affected my understanding of it. I think. Um, yeah. No, no, no pressure, Jenny, but, uh, yours is coming up. <laughs> no pressure. Um, yeah. Uh, very well said, uh, Jason and Harry, uh, I guess I don't know what I expected from one car wise directorial debut. Um, I've seen a few, um, but not all of his sort of biggest hits, uh, but this felt raw in the sorts of ways that I, usually align with director's first features in that we can see some things that they lean into and perfect later on in their careers, things that they become a little more well-known for. Uh, Wong Kar Wai has had a few different cinematographers that I could see over uh, his most celebrated works, and I also haven't seen and re-seen enough of them to draw any substantive conclusions about his camera work. But when the camera in As Tears Go By was still, I felt it evoke a certain fondness for its subjects that I've come to associate with his movies. Uh, it stands out in a good way. I especially appreciate how he creates and shows clutter, uh, cluttered apartments, cities, um, hole-in-the-wall diners. It's in these areas that I find myself remembering um, some of each uh, of his movies that I've seen, their most beautiful moments happening. And that was the case here as well when Andy Lau's Wa and Maggie Chung's Angor start to connect in Wa's shithole apartment. Um, I've also come to expect great music drops um, and as tears go by, delivered in that regard as well. I thought the 80s synthy moseying confidently around a city music felt like it uh, pretty well ingrained the story in a specific time. Uh, but I also thought it just worked and the take my breath away usage kind of floored me. Um, it felt like a shout out that should have yanked me from what was happening in the movie, but it also felt like it was appropriately earned. Um, uh, I imagine how much this movie works for a person hinges upon how much you bind to the arguable A plot of the story, which is while looking after his mob underling fly to bail him out of trouble and try to keep him in line. Um, those scenes with fly were the times when I did feel yanked out of the movie most, um, in a story where characters are making sense, uh, to me anyway, they feel well-defined and everyone's saying sensible things and making narrative appropriate choices. I couldn't really get into fly as a character or like a fulcrum for plot. Um, he's the character who is very, very nearly a little literal cartoon at times and who perpetually 
doesn't learn from his mistakes and drives most of, if not all of the film's conflict. And it felt to me he needed to be redeemable in some way. And I never quite thought he got there. Uh, But as always, I'm willing to concede that I could have missed something. Um, But yeah, I think overall, I enjoyed my time with this. Uh, It seems to me that uh, it seems to me hot take that Wong Kar Wai has always had a good idea of how to at least competently make movies. Um, Like it's by no means the best thing he's made, I'm sure. But if this is our floor, then I think we're in for some good times with this uh, Wong Kar Wai slate that we've got ahead of us. Uh, yeah, Cody, I think you characterized that really well. Um, I think that this is for me, um, like maybe a three or three and a half star movie. That is absolutely a four and a half star movie for me. Um, like personally, that maybe doesn't come as a surprise for people who know how I feel about, uh, Yakuza movies and crime movies and like movies about big emotional men making big, stupid choices because of how emotional they are. Um, this is, a it's, Wong Kar Wai's movies have always been bigger than their stories for me. Um, He has this understanding of the emotive emotive, um, interior spaces that his characters traverse and how those spaces are affected by um, the media that they consume and the worlds in which they inhabit and how they feel about their relationships with one another that really... um, define who they are as people and what they want and it was really fascinating for me to see him playing in the space of like a triad movie template um to make those uh or to to sort of experiment with with his early understandings of relationship and uh self-identity and the interaction between those two things um you had mentioned cody that you didn't get into fly as a character i think that's a fair criticism but um for me the aesthetic of the the world and the um sympathy of the camera that you already mentioned uh more than makes up for that and sort of becomes an understanding that the movie um conveys to you and almost a seduction um like uh maggie chung's character noir uh that's probably a mispronunciation but she's our our Um, frame of reference into this world and into this movie and she's sort of seduced by not just the main character um wa but by uh the world itself hong kong itself and what hong kong represents those things are all the same to her and um then we see the sort of dark foil uh version of that in fly and so by coming to understand uh her seduction um we also understand why fly became the way he was. Um, and that's all stuff that is, that is very genre, right? It's very boilerplate in a lot of ways. And in a lot of ways, this is a very boilerplate sort of crime drama, um, melodrama even. But, um, I think it just really, really works for Wong Kar Wai's sensibilities. And it's wild to see his sensibilities come out so well formed in a debut. Um, and so all that is to say, I think I really, really like this movie, despite the fact that I think I agree with Jason and Cody that it is, um, it's definitely like, uh, raw in, in some prototypical ways that are maybe, um, really understandable for a debut. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think I am probably more down on this film than the rest of the crew that have spoken so far. Uh, I, think boo, I, I, generally, boo. I, I don't know. Uh, it, it's an interesting debut film, right? Um, I, I don't want to, solely look at it through that perspective i think that's kind of a boring thing to do uh that being said i haven't i haven't seen other wong kar wai films it is a kind of very noted blind spot uh in my 
film watching careers a dumb word but you know what i'm saying um i have not seen other wong kar wai films so analyzing this as a de- debut film is kind of a, a a way to do it uh also maybe a little silly uh but that being said wong kar wai is a an incredibly famous director who i think his style is very well known even if you haven't seen his films i think that if you uh, read enough uh, shit on the internet and whatnot um you're kind of familiar with what his style is, or at least what it's typically portrayed as, um, you know, it, I, I guess if, if I was going to respond a little directly to what, to what Harry said, I think that, uh, you know, a lot of people have said that this, this movie is, uh, Harry, you said it's sympathetic. Um, I think a lot of people say that, uh, Wong Kar Wai's st- style in general is, is romantic. I guess that remains to be seen. We have a, a bunch of other films to, to watch of his. Um, to me, it, it didn't come off as especially romantic or sympathetic. It came off as more melodramatic, um, or, or at least it, it comes off as sympathetic until it turns into melodrama. And when it turns into melodrama, I find that it, it often doesn't work that well. Um, I think that my, my best reading of this movie is it's, it's a filmmaker struggling to kind of work out a lot of the stuff that maybe he would go on to, to do better. Um, that's, I don't think fair for me to say, cause I have yet to see those films. Um, but you know, that's, that's what everybody says. So I guess I'm willing to give him kind of more shots down the road. Uh, I think that, that one of the other things that a lot of people say about this film, I mean, it's, it's the second line on Wikipedia. Every single letterbox review says that it's, uh, in comparison to mean streets, uh, Martin Scorsese's film, uh, third film mean streets and kind of the, the one that helped cement his style, I think that's an interesting comparison. Uh, later, Scorsese would become more detached and critical uh, of its subjects. Uh, and I think that Mean Streets is not as critical as a film like Goodfellas or even, you know, a uh, recent film, The Irishman. Um, I think that this replaces a lot of the... Uh, the sympathy uh, from early Scorsese films or a lot of the detachment from later films with this kind of romantic uh, feeling. I think that there are times that works. Like everybody talks about the uh, phone booth scene. I think that that scene does really work. I think that there are thematic uh, concepts in this movie about Lantau Island being this kind of reprieve from this bustling city life that reminded me a lot of uh, what we saw last year with his motorbiker Island, the Obayashi film. Um, you know, I, I don't even dislike the tonal shifts that I believe uh, Cody brought up earlier. I think that that's an appealing aspect of this film. I just think that at time, at times, the the content of those tonal shifts is kind of very weirdly handled. Um, so I don't know. I kind of came away very mixed on this. I, I hope that this is a film that uh, grows in my mind as I watch further Wong Kar Wai films. And maybe it's just that it doesn't have a place yet. Uh, and maybe as I watch more, maybe it will kind of fit into a, uh, a shelf somewhere and I'll look back at it more fondly. I, I guess to add on to what Aaron is saying, I, I also came out of this pretty mixed having uh, just so much affection for Wong Kar Wai, but it was really incredible to see that he had so much of his shit figured out on this first movie. Um, so much of his trademark of slowing down and having sketchy camera movements like across the room um, in, insane canto pop record drop needle drops, you know, and then also just his like visionary use of color throughout the different moods, a lot of reds and kind of a tealish blue green happening as well. And just like flittering between the two. Um, but yes, I agree. It's like overall a little, a little bit more of a melodrama than it is like 
evoking any sort of um, romantic ideal about what um, a Hong Kong or gangster lifestyle might be, but uh, it, it feels extremely like, um, as Cody said, like a really high floor for someone to start with. And he was able to get um, Maggie Chung, who's already quite popular by this time, in on his first movie. So, I'm, yeah, I guess I'm just uh, really interested to see that, um, well, the, the other male leads were also canto pop stars at the time. I don't know. Apparently everybody's an actor and a singer. So, uh, But it's just that this is like a star-studded cast for his first uh, kind of parallel storyline film, if you will. But uh, yeah, basically I, I really love seeing where he, where Wong Kar Wai was able to jump off and have such a clear vision for the, the rest of his filmography as well. Yeah, I, I think that um, just to respond, I don't know if Jason wants to make a big, big shift here, but I think just just responding to some of the things Jenny said, I think I think that there are there are certain aspects of this film that that do kind of hint at something that may be to come. I mean, I've, I've always heard of people talk about uh, Wong Kar Wai's use of color. I think this film is uh, pretty beautiful, um, especially at times. I think it it is a uh, a movie that that looks good. I mean, I that that's maybe disregarding a certain uh, filmmaking techniques that are, that are used in this to, I think maybe a bad effect. Um, but I, oh, think I disagree with that extremely. So we'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, I, I guess the, 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 the issue with the, it, it's very rare to watch a director's debut film first, unless you are, I guess doing what we're doing where you're, you're watching, a lot of them, if not all of them, like in order, right? Like chronologically, it's very rare that someone watches, uh, you know, Blood Simple first, if they were going to watch a Coen Brothers movie, right? They, they watch, they've seen The Big Lebowski or they've seen whatever. Uh, it's very rare that the first Spielberg film someone sees is Duel, right? Like, that's a weird thing. Um, I, I guess that, that when I, the, the debut films from great directors that I really appreciate are films that, um, maybe they feel rough around the edges, but that kind of rough, scrappy attitude is something that kind of contributes to the 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 overall product. And I, I don't feel like that's a that's on display here. I feel like the the scrappiness that I see here is like scrappiness around like the writing and the characterization that just it, it feels like it's just not done as well, if that makes sense. Uh Harry, sorry to make you respond to that directly. <laughs> but No, it's okay. I mean how how would you know how would you know, dog? You haven't seen any other fucking Wong Kar Wai movies. <laughs> well, the di- the difference is that when I see something like Blood Simple, like yes, it's not as polished and refined, but but like it's still so tightly written. Oh man, I'm gonna I'm gonna make you it's, really mad. I like this movie considerably more than I like Blood Simple. I, I that that's a personal taste thing, but, but <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, uh, I, I guess I, I want to like, uh, I want to respond to something that I want to clarify. I guess what I meant by sympathetic. Um, because I think that I didn't characterize um, what I meant by it very well, um, because I actually agree with you that I don't think that this movie is is necessarily sympathetic towards its sus- uh, subjects. I think it's doing something that I actually really admire about Wong Kar Wai's filmography generally, which is that the camera itself uh, and the point of view is deeply engaged with the emotional state of its protagonist uh, in such a way that we li- like we very much live inside of his perception of reality and the perception of reality of the sort of uh, melodramatic, hyper-romantic, uh, hyper-emotional um, 
states that these characters live in and have to live in as a part of their lifestyle, um, which is why the uh, sort of maybe infamous slow-mo effect that I believe you were probably alluding to as being ineffective actually really works for me because that is a deeply sympathetic effect to me. Um, it's like directly depicting what he is feeling and how it's supposed to be coming across to him uh, in this way. And I, I think I can agree with you that it is melodramatic um, maybe even pejoratively, but I think that, that a certain element of melodrama um, works for a story like this, um, a story about um, sort of stripping away the, the veneer of um, masculinity and posturing in order to portray it for what it is, which are people who desperately want to be something other than what they are. Um, fly at one point says that I would rather be a hero for a day than live as a fly for my entire life. That's sort of the log line for this entire movie, I think. Um, and I, I think that, as a filmmaker, Wong Kar Wai is really interested in sympathetically depicting not the validity or the uh, sort of moral uh, righteousness of that um, that opinion or how someone arrives at that uh, conclusion, but in seducing you with the idea that it is something that could happen. Um, I think that's what the point of Maggie Chung's character is in large effect, um, and I think that's what he's doing as a filmmaker with um, – his deep understanding of aesthetic and his deep understanding of music. Um, I think that, that he is using aesthetic for a really developed thematic purpose here, which is seducing you with the idea of how you could come to be such a ridiculous, hyper-aggressive, hyper-emotional person as um, Fly or Wah. And there's something subversive and kind of fun to me about the fact that like this is ostensibly a... Um, cautionary tale right sort of a classic mob morality play about like your chickens coming home to roost it's like look what happens when you live like this but it's more interested in making you feel what it's like to live like that than it is in actually punishing you for it and i really appreciate that about the movie as well and i think that's a lot of where the romance of a movie like this comes from um but I understand that your mileage may vary and i might just be more predisposed towards something like that than um than you guys are, especially as a, a self-professed Wong Kar Wai stan, right? Jenny, does any of that, what Harry's saying about the sympathy of the camera and how like the camera is meeting the emotional states of the people we're, we're seeing on screen, specifically uh, Wah, is any of that ringing with what you know of the rest of Wong Kar Wai's filmography and how is it used? Is it used here exactly in the ways that it's used later, just like with less polish? Or I guess, I guess just to prepare me for the rest of what we're going to be seeing here and to make me think about what I just saw is that Am I, should I expect more of that? I think you should expect a lot more of that. I mean, uh, he's able to, um, Wong Kar Wai is very deliberate with when he decides to have a still or a moving camera. I feel that uh, it, it, I think this in this movie somehow is a little bit more still than um, the other films I've seen of his, but uh, he does like to trail in with the emotions of the characters. I feel like there's any, any scene where the camera's like, flitting across the room with you is to show like the internal like anger or excitement or something of somebody that uh, of the perspective that we're seeing there. But other times, um, you know, maybe we're, we're just still, and we're watching uh, Wa and uh, Nor just share a meal and have a calm moment. It's just like uh, a really stark contrast with him. But um, yeah, I guess, I mean, 
I, I generally agree with Harry in all of his excitement right there. <laughs> the first thing I wrote down in my notebook watching this movie was just fuck yeah. And I don't know to what part of the film that was about, yeah. but the first thing I wrote was fuck yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's probably, I think that the first act of this movie is the best part, right? Because that's the part where it's just shots of Hong Kong and it looks so good. And you're like, oh, we're in it now. This is happening. And then when it becomes the mob melodrama, it like loses you a little bit. But like Wong Kar Wai has already done such a good job of being uh, Wong Kar Wai that you're totally bought in, at least for me. And like, like I said, I think that that those shots of Hong Kong and like, all that they represent, it reminded me a little bit of Rebels of the Neon God in the sense that, like, we're supposed to understand that, that the city is, like, a part of these people. Like, Maggie Chung's character falls in love with Hong Kong as much as she falls in love with Wa because they're the same thing in her mind, right? And, like, that's what, I guess, romance kind of always is in Wong Kar Wai movies. And I think it... I think it's portrayed pretty well here, even on its own. But again, I mean, I don't, I don't have the perspective of somebody who's never seen another Wong Kar Wai movie, so I don't know if that's true, right? So I can only uh, say your mileage may vary, I guess. I think, I think the comparison to, to Rebels of the Neon God is, is an apt one. Uh, also, hey, Jenny, on that episode, hey, whole gang's back. Check it out. Um, I, I think that. That movie is maybe kind of, a, a, in my mind, a, a better version of this. And that I, you know... Yeah, in a lot of ways. Like, like another thing that, like, again, I, I hate just referencing Letterboxd all the time, but that's, like, where, especially... Jesus. I'm sorry, but, like, every single person on Letterboxd said the same thing, where they said it's, like, you think it's a gangster movie, but it's actually this romance movie. And it's, like, in my mind, the the romantic aspect of this movie, like, the the back and forth between Wa and, and Angor, is, like, it's, like, 20% of this movie. Like, especially near the end of this movie, it is well, so yeah, dog, the, the romance is between Fly, Fly and, and Wa. What are, you, what are you talking about? Right, then, then They're the romantic couple in this movie. I guess the, the problem here, right? Like, I look, if, if this was a movie about... Uh, uh, mainly uh, concerned with, not like about, but like concerned with portraying the relationship between Wan and Angkor, then I have some choice criticisms about how it chooses to do that. But I guess that's fine, right? Like those aspects of the film, I, I tended to like more. Um, but this movie, especially on the back end, spends the vast majority of its time mostly focused on Fly. And I think that that is just like a worse part of this movie. Um and I think it's like kind of a shame because I think I do agree that the first half is stronger. And I think I was generally more on board what this movie was doing in the first half uh, before it turns to this kind of crime revenge story. I don't know. Right. So that's kind of how I feel um, that this is a very uh, first feature film rough around the edges. It's, it's in the storytelling because it's this movie is billed as having parallel storylines, but really it's actually just like one fully integrated story that goes back and forth between a romance and then a, a story about gangsters. But um, that, I think that's how you'll see throughout this entire world of Wong Kar Wai that he does improve is he either takes the chance to fully separate different parallel stories happening or it becomes one more linear story. So maybe if we think about the way this is built is that Wa is not our, he's a main character of one story with uh, Nor, but that flies the other main character. And it's not Wa's story overall. He just happens to be two connecting elements. But yeah, in 
towards the middle and end where we're just kind of flipping back and forth, constantly getting pager beeps to like go back to Kowloon and then Lantau Island. It just feels like, um, like I, I couldn't really relate to that method and it, it that felt more clumsy to me in this. Uh, yeah, that's definitely fair. Uh, I think a lot of our discussion so far has tracked as far as like my experience with Wong Kar Wai goes and my experience with as tears go by, um, the way that the, uh, that Maggie Chung's character is sort of like our, our, she's like our entry into this world. Um, and then, uh, the camera sort of mimics what was perspective, like that romanticized view of this lifestyle is like. Um, and then, uh, what Jenny said about like the, dis- excuse me, the distinct choices of like when and how to film action and when and how to film stillness, like all of that, it, again, that, that tracks pretty well. I feel like the ways and, you know, if I'm missing something like, please feel free to correct me. I didn't feel that as much when the story centered around fly. Um, I feel like the character did more to sort of like complement what we were going through with, uh, Wa and Angor's characters. Um, but instead of the camera helping to characterize Fly as a character, it felt like more uh, like because Fly is very extreme compared to those two um, as far as like uh, antics, behavior, like volume, tone, uh, his movements, even even though Wa is literally the more violent character. I just imagine Fly as a very violently moving character um, and that choice to like paint Fly as this uh Paintfly as that type of foil for Wa, who you know he's not quite into this world yet. He that lifestyle hasn't changed him yet. That was like a fair choice, but not one that that came full circle for me. And and a lot of Fly's characterization was just with the camera on him, seeming you know pulling antics in a in a what a pool or, or snooker game, whatever that was. Fly came off to me like an early like early filmography Jackie Chan character, and that just really like that just really rubbed me a a certain kind of bad way um because like the early jackie like the jackie chan sort of early character mold is like rowdy um arrogant obnoxious and like eventually eventually maybe there's an arc where uh that that changes somewhat and i think you could you could probably argue that that comes through for fly as well in the end um but it was it was just too much especially alongside two characters who again feel like they're working with uh in in tandem rather with the camera uh and vice versa i'm glad you brought up the comparison to jackie chan in uh in fly's character jackie chung i believe is that actor and i felt that too and i didn't hadn't really like cordoned it off in my mind to jackie chan's earlier works where i think i've I think that I, I forget which Jackie Chan movie I watched, but I felt like anything before like police story, he's just kind of being an asshole and sort of getting his way about things. Um, and I read that a little bit into Fly's character. It's not a very sympathetic way to look at the character, but I think it's more his performance than actually how the character's written. I think it's his sort of like his physical acting makes me he think. He knows the eye thing. Yeah, he's exactly. He does the eye thing. He does like the, the, the scratching his head. Like there's one specific shot. I wonder if it's a cultural thing or if it's just like two people who do the same thing in the same moment. But like when he was confused or surprised by something, he like runs his fingers through his hair in a super Jackie Chan way. Also, he's got like really thick black hair like Jackie Chan does. But um, like 
I, I wanted to make a pivot and I want to make sure that Harry didn't have any final thoughts uh, about what Cody said before we do that. Uh, I want to talk about Fly more and Fly's relationship with Wa more and particularly how Fly is characterized because I think it works better for me than it worked for you guys. But I want to talk about what you want to talk about first, Jason. Oh, well, uh, let's put that one in the in the bank then. Um, I, I left in the Discord chat that Jenny said something uh, during her uh, mentioning of, about how like the characters fall into place within the movie about Waz's place in a story in the stories, I guess. And it's that, and forgive me if I'm misreading what you said, Jenny, but that maybe Wa is less like the main character of our one story and sort of a connecting thread, sort of a, uh, I think you said just a character connecting those two stories, sort of a least common denominator between the romantic side uh, with, with his, you know, uh, trysts with Angor and his uh, trying to play, be, uh, you know, a big brother to, to fly. Is that right? Do, is that, is that what you were trying to say? Am I misreading that? Yeah, I guess that's, that's the kinder way that I can read this, having seen some other um, ways that Wong Kar is storytelling, that it makes more sense if we actually just think of him as a connecting element of these two worlds rather than this being his story in totality, which maybe that's also why um, it, we just see so much of Fly at the end of the movie. And it's maybe yeah. because the half of the movie is actually just his. He's not a supporting character. He's a lead in his own story, right? Yeah, and I think that like turns a key in my head because I – I'm, I was struggling to see where Wa fits in the movie. I was struggling to see like how he got from point A to point B to point C. And it's just through the other characters in their own stories, sort of. Unfortunately, I don't know that the movie really has space to pull those uh, two disparate, two separate stories in together, which maybe it's doing something metatextually there that I'm not seeing. But because we don't get as much time with Fly or as much time with Angor as to have their own stories and just seeing like a very limited you know, not panopticon view of what this whole story is. We're not omnipotent, excuse me, we're not omniscient. We don't get to see the whole thing. I think that has let, leads me to, I don't think, I don't know if this realization is making me like the movie more. I think it's making me understand what parts of it were not working for me and maybe why out of necessity. Harry, does that make any sense? Yeah, I think that ties in really well with what I was going to say um, anyway, which is that, um, I mean, we don't, I, I'm not interested in talking about intentionality, but uh, like thematically and narratively, um, the fact that both this movie starts being about Fly and, and Wa more than it is about Angor and Wai in the second half, um, and the fact that we're disappointed in that, uh, both completely integrate with what this movie is saying. This is a movie that, that wants to be a different movie than it ends up being, just like Wa wants to have a different story than he ends up having. He falls in love with Angor, and that changes who he is and what he wants right and it's too late because he still feels responsibility for fly and literally every time he thinks he's out they keep pulling him back in and he ends up having to take responsibility for this sort of frankenstein monster that was made out of aspirations for him that ends up being his undoing right like the reason why fly works for me as a character because is because his characterization is just was characterization i mean it's obvious that he idolizes wa um, maybe this is like a, like a big brother, um, like Yakuza shorthand that really works for me. But like when somebody is your big brother in like the, the mob, it means that like, they're your idol. They're like your hero and they're your like moral compass in the like virtue ethics sense. And so like the fact that Wa is this like dangerous, like no future, no tomorrow guy, um, 
is just what Fly is, and it it characterizes his relationship with Angor very well too, because Angor becomes the catalyst for his change, and Fly becomes what happens when that change didn't happen. Um, and so, like, all of that is to say, like, I again, like, I don't know or care if this is intentional or if this movie is just overambitious, but I think that even the disappointment that like we get this this frustrating um, melodramatic tragic end with uh Wa and fly rather than a romantic sep- second half with angor and Wa. it like is what the movie is doing right it's saying like unfortunately he doesn't get to have this because his old world ends up being his undoing um and so like that that i don't know that that just works for me i guess um and uh and is an interesting way to do the sort of uh, first and second half, even if it does result in Wa maybe being a little bit more of a bystander than a um, protagonist. I guess what um, what what you were saying, Harry, made me think that yeah, it's kind of uh, showing us like he could never really envision that domestic life on Lantau Island as much as I want to watch like ninety minutes of just that. Uh, he could never really see it through. And uh, I wrote down, I think, the three times where we we saw the notable slow motion scenes. And there's a early fight in the movie back in Kowloon, Hong Kong. And then there's one, I believe, with them kissing in the phone booth. He's like really forcefully kissing her. <laughs> and, then, and then it happens again, just right at the end with the police um, scene. And he's, uh, I don't know, a, a, sh- a shot for hire. And he's like witnessing his friend also get um, basically have a suicide mission in that. And uh, it's really saying like he just couldn't really execute it because he was too far into this world. And he just, it was constantly being itched by this, this pager and this other life and his responsibility and duty of being big brother. And um, one of the other notes I wrote is, can you be a lover and big brother? I really should say, can you be cousin (laughs) and big brother? But, uh, I, yeah, I just like uh, it, it could never really be actualized, and so that kind of like negates the point I was trying to say before that maybe Wall isn't the main character, but that's that's kind of the clumsiness of this movie is that it doesn't know um, whether he is or not. I guess I'm glad you brought up that kiss because it looks like he's trying to eat her. It, he, yeah, it's not the sexiest kiss I've ever seen. <laughs> he definitely does not go for her mouth first. It's it is a weird weird angle to that one. Um, and what you're saying, Jenny, makes sense to me. There's like a tension there between how the movie is presenting its story and sort of the characters that are built within it. Like we've already talked about how uh, Wong Kar Wai has like used the camera, used elements of, of like the visual and audible elements of this movie to very much just like resonate with the emotions that are on screen, specifically Wa's emotions. I'm assuming because, you know, the camera goes low frame rate, high blur when he's in a fight, or it goes that way when, you know, he's, uh, you know, passionately making out in a phone booth. But then, you know, as far as the story is concerned, he's a little bit more hands off with the compelling elements of, you know, flies journey, like descent into, um, you know, oblivion and into, I guess, wherever Angor ends up. Uh, but there's like, when I say tension, I mean, there's like, there, there's a friction between the way that we're seeing the movie and sort of the story that's being told, if that makes any sense um, in that. And I don't know if that balance works for me in like in an easier movie. I think we would have seen like the movie would have started with um, 
with Wa laying on the ground bleeding and it would have said, well, you, you, I guess you're wondering why I ended up here. And then like sort of tracking everybody's movements from there. Uh, it doesn't obviously in a, in a really interesting way in that it does not have a clear focus, purpose, or mission in the story until maybe halfway through when we start to realize that these two things that, that Wa wants out of his life are moving in opposite directions. And like, he's, he's flattened by both of them. You know, um, I, I didn't see the, like that magic of how he's, how Wong Kar Wai is putting us in that character's emotions and sort of the way that the movie services both stories. I didn't see those marrying very often, which like my first reaction is that's not good. And I don't know if that's just a function of how the movies are made and like the style, or if it is like legitimately that it, that it wasn't very good. Cody, Aaron, you have any thoughts? Um, uh, not necessarily. I mean, kind of, uh, one thing I'm hung up on, which is sort of, I think, living in the shadow of this conversation, I I, I wasn't as stuck to like the balance uh, of every, like the connecting threads. Um, I, I think the, we alluded to earlier, like the layout of Hong Kong and like the vis- visualization of that city early and like furthermore, like seeing Maggie Chung take trips on a boat like mapped things out spatially enough for me that like that just something clicked and i was like oh this is a a line that uh that wa is kind of moving along and this just like spatially makes sense and therefore that like just because of how my brain works that clutter i guess didn't um hang me up too much um I guess like throwing somebody else in, into this mixture because we we've been talking about Wa Angorn Fly. There is a moment um because Tony is this sort of um uh mob enforcer who's like sort of under their umbrella and I got to thinking because he was one of those characters I, I guess going along with your like how like what is going to be the focus of the story? Oh, I see these characters are are here so we're probably just going to be following Fly or whomever. Um Tony was somebody who ended up playing uh pretty prominently in this and there was a moment where i was like because i i think the the chattering that I, i've heard um from you just like this being sort of a love story between Wan and fly i think that's perfectly justified there was a similar moment where like when Wan and tony start threatening to blow up each other's genitals i was like oh my god this is so metaphorical um maybe there is something there um but I don't, I almost wish like Tony would have been leaned on harder as like a similar, like a, a, a similar sort of like a uh, uh, pivot point, you know, um, maybe, maybe that's just me, but I figured yeah, that's an interesting me. question. You want more Tony is what you're saying. I want more Tony. Give us Tony. Does that mean, do, do you, does, does wanting more Tony mean you want more of the kind of crime aspect of this movie or, or what is it specifically? You think he should be like a stronger um, I don't know. Flush that. I'm I'm kind of into yeah. this actually. Yeah. I mean, I guess I don't know either because on the other side, obviously, like spoiler alert for the next however many weeks we're going to be talking about Wong Kar Wai and Maggie Chung. But like, I also wanted more Maggie Chung in this movie, and I I like I understand the limitations of like that, why the story couldn't be all about her and Wa. Like that just for the purposes of like making this the how it was how this movie yeah. is like before like that doesn't I, really work go ahead harry yeah sorry i'm sorry uh before i play defender on this movie too much i would like to say that i actually agree with that point um i think that maggie chung's character um is maybe the biggest weakness in that like i didn't really gr- get a great sense outside of shorthand why she cared so much for wa um and what he represented to her um they kind of try to do it but i don't think it's totally successful but go ahead aaron 
Um, yeah, actually, interesting point. I, I, there is a, uh, uh, a book that I have uh, cut at full speed. Oh, boy. A collection. Look, look, all we reference from a references standpoint on the show is Wikipedia. I'm trying to bring in outside sources, trying to uh, ac- academic. Academic. Yeah, yeah. As, I, used to, as, I used to reference books all the time, and then we did more uh, episodes of this, and I stopped reading books, and I started yeah. watching movies. That's, that's there true. You go. Um, I've had no. I've look. I've had this. Someone on Twitter like four years ago said, "Hey, there's this book called At Full Speed. It's a, a collection of writing on on Hong Kong cinema, uh, mostly action cinema, but Hong Kong cinema in general. You should check it out." And I looked online. It was like it was like weirdly expensive, but I was like, "All right, I'll buy it." And I hadn't opened it until recently. Uh, and then I was like, hey, I bet they have something about this film. And they do have a full essay on Wong Kar Wai. There is one sentence in this entire essay about this film specifically. Um, but uh, sp- a, no- a number of things that they kind of note. The, the first is that Wong Kar Wai is really, um, he- he's kind of notable for for really working his actors very hard. Uh, maybe not like uh, Kubrick levels, but like working them very hard. Um, his his excuse for this is that the, the filmmaking style of Hong Kong uh, is is very quick and fast. They typically don't have uh, the amount of, of time to luxuriate in a world or with a script uh, that is you would in, in you know, developing films and in other areas of the world. Um, they have to shoot them very fast, and there's often a lot of films being shot in the same area at the same time. Um, so he he instead like stretches out the day and does multiple takes in a row, often very extensive days of shooting. Um, so that kind of ties into his shooting style. And specifically in regard to, to Maggie Chung, honestly, I was a little, uh, he, he supposedly did not like the way that she was delivering dialogue in this movie. Um, I don't know. This was not her first movie she had directed or she had been in a number of movies before this. Um, but he said specifically that she was quite expressive facially and, and with her body movements, but he, he didn't love the way that she was, uh, uh, delivering dialogue. So he said, uh, so I cut the majority of her lines in order to concentrate on her actions, on her most intimate bodily movements and her performance became excellent. Um, I think that, I don't know, maybe that's the right choice. Maybe it's not. Um, but I think that that does kind of speak to, I think maybe some of the issues with her character where I think if she was able to vocalize more about who Wa is right, because I, I understand why he is attracted to her, um, I think we are given the context for him just based on his private relationship. <laughs> yeah, there. you do. The issues he's having in his personal life. I think that for her, I think we kind of have to assume that as this kind of uh, uh, big city bad boy, maybe he's attractive in that manner. But it's never oh, explicitly yeah. said. Uh, it's it's said like- explicitly once. Uh, there's one scene that is a great contradiction to what you're saying. I'm not saying I disagree with you, but I would like to point out that, uh, yeah, that, that first night, uh, he, um, pins her to a wall and shouts at her about how he should, she should never talk about how he broke up with a woman again. And then the very next day, uh, she cooked him dinner or cooked him breakfast and is like much more obviously flirtatious with him, uh, than any other point in the movie. So like there is a pretty clear, uh, like established visualization of that attraction. Um, but Wait, are I, you saying you like being yelled at? I, I think so. Yeah, more or less. I, I know that kind of sucks, but like, I think she's into the fact that he's an asshole a little bit. I, okay. He, here's the, here's the, uh, I, I've had like a point that I've been trying to, to get down just kind of, in the background of my head for a while. I, I guess this is, this is how I'd sum up some of the issues here. I, I don't, 
I don't have any problems with films portraying uh, messed up relationships, broken relationships. We haven't even gotten to the fact that they're cousins. I'm going to leave that into the background for a little bit here. Um, you know, portrayal of of kind of off kilter relationships is something that happens in film. Okay, that's fine. I think I think an, an issue that I have is that I understand what the film is doing, uh, utilizing uh, Angor in relation to Wa. Like if. In regard to how Angor is used as a character for the benefit of Wa, I understand that, right? I think that this is a a kind of callback to a very common uh, theme, specifically in crime films, uh, mobster films, whatnot, which is the idea of this kind of rural area uh, and and the extent by extensions the people from this rural area representing this break from the modern life that these characters are swept up in, right? I think that the most notable example of this. Uh, would be The Godfather when Michael travels to Sicily. And I think that there is a very large uh, theme there about kind of the history of crime and the history of this ethnic group that maybe this film has, maybe it doesn't. I can't speak to that too much. Um, You know, that kind of same theme is is kind of satirized or kind of uh, taken a look at from a, a meta standpoint even further in The Sopranos when Tony travels to Italy kind of in a similar manner. That is like a common thing in crime film. Um, I just watched that episode. It's a, Hey, great episode of the Sopranos. uh, One of my favorites. Um, Like, so I understand like what her character is doing in service of why, I guess the problem is that it's not really a two way relationship and that's not always like a bad thing in movies. Like, I used to kind of be against that. Like I used to kind of feel bad when characters were used specifically to an end. I've kind of done a 180 in recent years where I think that the only purpose of every single character in every movie is, is to whatever end the movie is trying to get to. I think the problem is that it it feels very one-sided here. Um, And I feel that like her character is kind of let down by that choice. um, If that makes sense. I think so. Um, just piggybacking ever so briefly on the sequence that Harry mentioned. And as I'm thinking about this, I'm not quite sure what it adds, if anything. Um, but the the night uh, when Wa comes home, he pins Angor up against the wall and he, you know, says these things, you know, don't say those words to me. There is like a very brief shot where Angor's on, I think, on the couch looking in at a hole in the wall through it at Wa and he's looking... I wouldn't categorize him as like angry, maybe upset. You could maybe it might be a stretch, but you could say that he was looking sad, depressed. Um, not not really sure. Um, again, that might be a stretch. And I don't I don't think that's necessarily enough to like build up a- anything necessarily, but just so it's not necessarily a painting of she was uh verbally and kind of physically ab- abused and then we just cut to she's like flirting with him like there's maybe a suggestion that there's some sort of like realization going on with her and like her plotting kind of more points about like oh this is what this lifestyle is doing to him um or something else i'm not really sure but i figured i'd just throw that out yeah i mean i think i i half agree with what aaron's saying i think that angor is let down by the end of this movie um, as we've talked about, because it becomes more about Fly and uh, Wa, but she has an arc, right? I mean, like when we're introduced to her, she's wearing a face mask uh, because she says, quote, her lungs are malfunctioning, unquote. Uh, we get the sense that she's a very meek uh, sort of country girl. 
Uh, her hair is done in a, in a certain way that is to make her look younger. She comes off as very young. Um, she comes off as much younger than Wa. Um, her process, particularly in the first act to the second act, is a process of her coming out of her shell. Um, she stops wearing the mask. She stops being um, sort of not hypochondriatic, but uh, but but being as meek. Um, she wears her hair differently. She starts talking about how she wants to move to Hong Kong. Um, like I said early on, I think she is as attracted to the idea of Wa and the idea of Hong Kong as she is to Wa himself. Um, I think in this movie, as in a lot of Wong Kar Wai movies, those things are all the same thing. Um, she's as attracted to an idea of herself as she is attracted to Wa. And I think part of that is about being attracted to the lifestyle, which is interesting and like problematizes the whole thing, right? Because it suggests that even Wa's dream, right? That he could uh, fuck off with um, her at the end of the movie and maybe become this domestic uh, person, which he never really sees. It That might be impossible because that's not what she wants either. Um, which is sort of interesting, um, if not redemptive for her character, then at least sort of um, problematizing, right? In in some ways that I kind of like. Yeah, um, I, I think I, I think yeah, I think I generally agree with that. Um, just to, to provide a little bit of context here, uh, Lantau Island, the the area where she is from, um, is the it's the largest area in Hong Kong. It was at the, the time of this kind of films production and, and filming and release and whatnot um primarily a collection of kind of small fishing villages uh starting in like the 1990s it started being increasingly developed uh as china was going through kind of similar changes i believe now there is a uh an airport not on lantau island but like right next to lantau island um there is also a i believe a disney world or a disneyland there now um so there is kind of this uh definitely not textual, but there's this kind of interesting analysis of this film of, of this area where this guy wants to run off to that would later become incredibly developed, <laughs> uh, in the same manner of where he was attempting to flee from. Um, that's wild. The, yeah, it's, uh, thanks. Uh, Wikipedia. Um, I, I think, uh, another, not to, I don't know. I feel like I've been so down on this film. I, I think the, the kind of the main issue I have with, you know, the, the, what the end of this film is doing is that if this film is, uh, you know, if, if, if she's acting in service of this kind of thematic point of this, this person unable to escape his past and, and un unable to like break free of the chains that is, is, uh, keeping him in this kind of crime lifestyle, I guess I'm, I'm fine with that. I don't think that is always a bad thing. I think that by the end of this film, I, I very much wanted him, uh, again, despite some of the problematic natures of the relationship, I did want him to maybe even just thematically kind of uh, uh, leave Hong Kong and, and go with his cousin. Um, I think that the issue I have is that I, I like, I like Maggie Chung's performance very much. I like their kind of chemistry in this movie. Um, I think that the, the thing that he is trying to escape from is not portrayed correctly. I think that that scenes like the uh, scenes like fly trying to, or not trying to sell fish balls, right. And doing it so incompetently uh, scenes of fly kind of just continuously stepping in shit in the most moronic manner. Um, I think that kind of lets down the dramatic weight of what happens at the end of this movie. And again, I don't have issues with, kind of uh, uh, large kind of tonal shifts like that. But I think that they're not handled 
well is an issue, right? Like if you're trying to think, if you're trying to make me believe that the tragedy here is that Wah is not able to escape from uh, the kind of the past that Fly keeps dragging him back to, then I think you need to portray that more tragically than happens. Mm. Here. And I think it's, well, I mean, I, it's, it's like, it's melodramatic. Like there's a lot of emotional weight here. I agree with that, but, but, I, I by the end of this movie, when 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 Wah goes up and, and grabs his own gun and then executes the guy and then gets shot, it's it's confusing more than it is tragic, right? Like I think if you need to do that, you need to make me understand. You don't need to make me agree with it, but you need to make me understand. And I just by the end of this movie, I just don't understand. Could because you didn't understand why he did that, why he killed the guy. No, I I, I intellectually, yeah, of course, but I, I am not bought in in the same manner that I think the film needs me to be, uh, which is kind of my big issue there. And I think is emblematic of the issues I had with the second half of this film uh, in general. I'm open to, hey, convince me, I guess, but... I, I, I feel like I've talked enough. Uh, I'm not here to convince you of just that last point, but I, I guess like um, there's two really notable lines in the movie that have nothing to do with fish balls. And one of them, um, Harry quoted up top that now that I said it twice, I can't take it back. So that's kind of the idea of uh, planning for your future and, and really making like conscious choices, maybe not getting swirled up in this, in, in, in some lifestyle that you may or may not want to be a part of. And the other really notable line, um, I believe comes from Fly saying, I've never thought about the next time. So it, it's kind of like a really tearing between two existences or two trains of thought. And that's also represented where we have, I forget his name, but the guy who um, received an excessively shitty wedding. And he's like, oh yeah, I had to work other jobs because we have kids now. So he's he's planning ahead and he was able to you know, divorce himself from this lifestyle, but still maintain some sort of little brother, big brother relationship there. And I, I guess I just found it really interesting that part of it is like the, what choices are you making? Are you making them for like you this instant or are you making your choices for some sort of future, some sort of promise that you want to make and, and consider? Yeah. And that characterizes really well the, uh, and you knew we were going to get here eventually, but the capital Y yearning uh, that Wong Kar Wai is, is working with here um, and that he always sort of gets at, which is that like, to me in this movie, the, the ultimate sort of um, tragedy is that, not necessarily just that that Wa can't get away from the past, but that the very emotional states that enabled him to feel uh, the relationship that he feels so deeply are what make it impossible to sustain. Um, like the very same sort of like hyper romance that he was living his life where he wasn't thinking about the future and he wasn't thinking about next time or making any plans. That is what... Uh, Maggie Chung's character is attracted to that is what uh Fly looks up to in him and it's also why he had to die at the end of this movie um so there there's like a great like like terribly romantic contradiction at the heart of it right where it's like the very thing that makes these feelings possible is what makes them impossible to sustain it's sort of a half as long twice as bright thing um 
I think that works for me. And real quick, um, this is, it's a weird thing to say because like this movie doesn't seem self-aware enough to be satirical. Uh, but I, I think that making fly funny actually is, is super works for me. Um, and I feel like if he was melodramatic, it would have been, or if he was, um, he was more straight dramatic, I, it wouldn't have worked for me as well. I really like the idea that he is almost a satirical exaggeration of why I really like that this movie feels comfortable taking the piss out of, um, it's characters that way. Um, they try to shoot each other's balls off at multiple points during this movie. It's that's funny. I like, yeah, it, it is self-aware, right? In that. Yeah. Do you, do you think that, do you think that fly is, do you think that the humor is meant to kind of endear us to fly in a manner? A little bit. Yeah. He's, he's like a fucking, um, Ophelia's dad in, uh, Hamlet. Yes. Yes. Pol- Polonius. Yeah. He's supposed to be kind of ridiculous, right? What a weird reference that was. Anyway. Yes, great Hamlet reference. <laughs> and I, I think also that that gives us a, a, a nod to what you'll see from Wong Kar Wai in the future is that he does insert this absurdity or humor into um, like what could be rather dramatic otherwise. But yeah, Fly is just like uh, just so absurd of a character. I, I didn't feel very sympathetic despite how, how funny a lot of his... Um, his, his movements were, but I, I guess that's sort of where I, I left off with that. He's he's like a Sopranos character, right? Like Aaron, you made a really good comparison, yep. but he's like he's like Christopher, where it's just like Jesus fucking Christ, this guy. Like he's trying to sell fish balls, and he can't do that without like hiking up his pants and trying to look like the coolest dude on the block. At one point, he says, "I can't sell fish balls. I have to live here." It's like shut the fuck up, Jesus. It's it's like the uh, it's like the ahead of its time. It's like prophesizing uh, this character as this, um, like this parody of the people who would watch movies like this and take the wrong message away, right? Exactly. It's, I guess, is is that reading? Maybe I'm 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 warming it up, uh, I'm warming up to that idea a little bit. I don't know if I'm with it, but I'm I'm willing Got to him. joke around a bit on a podcast. Can I can I ask the cheap question that uh, I'm sure we've all been thinking of? Like the really, I, I've been shitting. Look, after this, I uh, I will only say nice things about this movie. I, I promise. Uh, I do got to ask. Why, why are they cousins, man? I don't know why they're cousins. Like I, I've had like three or four different like th- theories that me trying to like uh, go be a little too smart about why they're cousins, and none of them. Really yeah, me too. Work. It's this movie would half a star better if they're not cousins immediately, right? I think it's just more like. Um, my mom has friends that I would call aunt, but they're not related to me. So then thus their children, I think it's just a matter of title. I don't think that they are literally related by any means. Oh, so it's like, it's like the big brother thing. Literally. Yeah, I said it's that like is- how big brother is a title. Yeah. Oh, that's wild. Uh, but at the beginning, they said cousin enough times that I have just learned to accept that, you know, they're probably not related. So it's fine. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm willing to make that my own personal headcanon in order to right. uh, in order to accept this movie a little. I I mean the 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 one thing that I kept thinking is like okay th- this this relationship is obviously flawed. They're cousins and maybe that's like an indi- right. I thought it was yeah. It's like a nod to to how this relationship is actually a little bit wrong, right? Yeah, but and like, I think that lets down the need we feel to have them get together at the end. Of yeah. It. That lets down the tragedy, right? It's like, it's like, oh, well, yes and yes and no, right? You've gone and kept banging your cousin, dude. Like that's the, that's the, 
the the ending of this movie, it's like I I can't I don't know. So I'm I'm gonna accept what Jenny said uh, in my head and not think about it any further. I think is is my own personal. But if you think about my take, where like the relationship is maybe doomed from the start because she was attracted in the first place to the thing that gets him killed, then you can sort of start to see the nod. Anyway, this is me being way too smart about this. Yeah. This is the one uh, I stand. Uh, I am perfectly willing to accept the Jenny canon as well, and I feel bad even bringing this up. I'm admittedly not 100% sure. I just found it dusting off some artifacts in my brain uh, from yesterday because that's how time works. But I thought I remember a line where it was like she – like Auntie was on the phone with Wa or whatever, and, and she was like, oh, this is – uh, this is Maggie Chung. Um, she is the child. I want to say of like his second uncle or like step uncle or something. So maybe it was something yeah. where it's like a cousin, but not related by blood. In any case, like yeah, representative of the fact that this relationship is is kind of wrong. Um, but yeah, uh, the Jenny canon is is I think the only acceptable canon here, right? That's what I chose to substitute. Not that we need to harp on this, but like also a lot of the materials around this movie, including I'm just looking at the letterbox description, describe it as a love affair with his beloved cousin. And I'm not sure that like four out of five of those words really apply to how I wanted to see the plot. Um, but yeah, some positioning there, I guess anchoring it in like culturally big brother, big, excuse me, big brother, little brother, not actually related by blood culturally, hopefully not related by blood. I can't say for sure. I mean, just culturally, like in a lot of Asian cultures, you don't really call people by their name ever. Right. You call right. them by what they are in relation to you, not familial necessarily relation, just like how mm-hmm. you know them. Right. Right. Like age hierarchy as well. Right. Yeah. The only other thing that's still nagging is the 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 one thing he says at the end of that phone calls. He says uh, he says like I didn't even know I had a cousin, and it's like ah, that's very damning. For- I I can't I can't believe that my mother's sister had a yeah. child, and this is her. <laughs> I can't believe we are related by blood, very definitively. But yeah, no, gross, gross. I'm looking forward to more of it with the rest of our Wong Kar Wai series. Um, but I'm ready to uh, to start winding this one down. Um, if anybody else is. Has has any final thoughts? This is where you can scooch them out. I had a thought about um, how in the first major fight sequence, there's a villain that like cracks a raw egg, and I just thought that's how you know this guy is bad. (laughs) 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 He eats the whole thing, and then he like forces a cat to drink beer. Which yeah, they were torturing a cat. Yeah. I That's, also hope that cat was like Phil. I hope the filming around that cat was, uh, it's very much like a pitfall frog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought of pitfall when, when I saw that scene for sure. And yes. also like, like way to endear me to Wa, where, where it's like the ultimate fantasy of like beating the shit out of some people that are treating a cat poorly. It's like John Wick, but for cats. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you need to get me on your side. Uh, all right. Then I think we might, re- excuse me, we might be ready it's for a time. certain segment. The triumphant return of 2021's <gasps> Cody's, Cody's Noties. Holy shit. Wow. That was perfect. That was, fucking good. That, was uh, that was pretty good. Uh, 2021. 2021 You're on the beast, baby. Let's I'll, go. I'll harmonize next time. <laughs> uh, Let's yeah. not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> hey, it's, a, it's a year of growth. We've got time. Um, we, we need, we need, we need a, an, an unbiased third party. Jenny, how was that? Uh, better than usual. Yes. Hell yeah. Well, I felt the backhand on that one. 
Well, considering all all the negging uh, that yeah, it also it also means that she knows what our usual is, which also means that she's listened to our show before. So I'm taking so it as a net really, positive. Really, we're, we're the winner. Yeah, yeah, that's we, we're not owned. We a, a net win. Yeah. For sure. Um, hopefully this is a net win. Uh, uh, thank you, as always, for the warm introduction. Um, so with As Tears Go By, we enter the start of Wong Kar Wai's filmography as a director. Uh, coincidentally, this episode is the first one we'll have recorded in the new year. And if you're listening to this for some outrageous reason, uh, well into the future, I'm referring to the year 2021, a.k.a. Um, <laughs> we'll say the year the trial of Twitter account gained its long-awaited 100th follower yeah, I figured I'm, I'd shoot my shot. Um, we'll see. Uh, in the time leading up to the end of 2020, uh, our friend of the pod and a friend in general, uh, Dan Nagan, raised a good discussion point on social media. Shout outs to Dan Nagan. Follow him uh, on Twitter. Uh, Dapper Dan Man, I think. Uh, he asserted what some of his goals would be with regards to movie watching in the new year. Uh, and as an idea... I didn't really latch onto it initially. I usually don't start a year by thinking about that sort of stuff, um, but I've got to thinking about it more and more over the last few days. Uh, in the coming weeks, we're going to have a lot of opportunities to talk about Wong Kar Wai, his principal actors, his body of work. We'll talk about Maggie Chung a whole bunch probably, um, but for now, uh, I'd like to ask each of you, what are your hopes uh, or plans with regards to watching movies this year? Um, these can be vague, or they can be super specific, whatever you'd like, titles, certain director, maybe genre specific or like streaming service specific stuff. Um, pulling back the curtain just a bit, I considered prepping y'all for this question before we started recording, but I think getting your most immediate thoughts will ultimately uh, provide the best and juiciest insight. Um, but that being said, to give you all some time to think on it, I'd be happy to go first and maybe vamp a little if that's all right. Jason, you got a question? No, I was going to start, but yes, it helps that you want to go first. Sure. Okay. Yep. Yep. Just to, to give everybody a little bit. Um, and this first part's admittedly a bit of a cheat. Maybe it'll be a theme. Um, kind of obvious, hopefully. Uh, but if all goes well, I'd very much like to watch fewer movies in 2021. Um, this is not by any means unique to me, uh, but the ways in which my lifestyle and other hobbies have been affected the past, oh, 10 fucking months. Um, I've really overly used this time to watch more films. I don't want that to necessarily continue. Cody, um, Cody, how many movies did you watch in 2020? If you're comfortable letting us know. Uh, so I'm thinking back to a, a conversation I had with Jenny, I think on the 30th of December, she pointed out, I want to say 616. And that was <laughs> I, after that, after that, I watched three more. Um, so I want to say the final nineteen. um, I, I'm not a gamer, so I don't have that to fall back on. Um, uh, in any case, I don't want that to replicate this year. And I know that's not entirely up to me. Uh, I intend to at some point start mentally preparing myself to engage with others in ways that don't involve me sitting on my couch looking at a pretty screen. Okay. <sighs> we'll see. Hey, hey, I've had a pretty good upward trajectory, I think. Um, I won't get into that, but it's I'm exponential. I'm you'll, you'll be the game master by the end of this year, I think, actually. Yeah, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, but I, I, having said that, in the meantime, I hope to remain diligent in the meager ways uh, that I've tried to structure my movie watching in isolation uh, because of how my brain logic works i've been trying to get the most out of streaming services uh that i do use which i don't necessarily regret but it has incidentally pulled me away from some of the physical media i own so this year i'd like to find there are a few blu-rays of titles i haven't seen yet i'd really like to just watch those um one of these is currently the oldest entry on my letterbox watch list and that's uh the criterion release i picked up for until the end of the world which is a five hour long film from vim vendors um let's go I'm, mark i'm saying it here mark my words it'll happen um i'll i'm just gonna settle in and plow through it uh we're gonna watch that in the human condition right back to back that's oh, gonna yeah, be yeah, yeah. 
Both of those are gonna... so I gotta get to them too. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll have a good happy time. It'll it'll be great. Um, uh, but a, a couple more here. Um, I try to comb through old lists of stuff I told myself I'd watch years ago, and I'm trying to use my letterbox letterbox. I botched that letterboxed watch list as a sort of like rudder for my movie watching ship. Good imagery. Um, I've got a few from Ozu on there. I've got a few from Cora Ada. Um, shout outs to Harry. I've got a few from Claire Denis. All of these are among like my many, many cinematic blind spots. Um, last one uh, that I just uh, added the other day officially. So I'm going to commit energy to it. Probably it feels like a film studies major sin to not have seen a racer head by now. Um, so maybe this will Bro. be the year I finally watch that. Um, but then again, I might troll a little bit and not watch it. That might be more fun. I haven't yet decided. Um, that's enough about me. Uh, I'd be super interested to hear what y'all are thinking about checking out this year. Um, Jason. Thank you, Cody. I am looking forward to not watching 600 films this year. I watched maybe conservative, excuse me, uh, you know, an estimate of maybe 150 movies this year. Um, I was, or excuse me, in 2020, I was not very diligent about just watching for pleasure. Uh, and I'm looking forward in 2021 to catch up on the movies that I skipped in 2020 due to depression, anxiety, and general busyness. Um, I, I will be within the next few days watching that Mess Mickelson movie, Another Round. Uh, that is probably going to be my um, one of the first movies I watch in 2021. Um, no, like hard line girded rules for me this year. I, I would like, in general, like I tried to impose in 2020 a watch a movie every day thing, just knowing that I wouldn't hit that. Maybe I'd shoot for the stars, reach the moon, whatever the thing is. Um, to hit like maybe a couple a week did not do that either. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, like hopefully a regular stream of movies, but also building out um, more of my familiarity with uh, filmmakers that I have not seen any of. For example, I haven't seen any, any Varda, any Kiarostami, any Denis, uh, those movies that you, that you were just mentioning. A lot of them totally passed me by. Um, I feel like I delved too far into certain filmographies and never delved into others. Uh, so those general attitudes uh, are what I'm hoping will carry me through this, this year in terms of movie watching. Um, do I get to nominate now or is it just uh, whoever takes the cup? For me? You could popcorn somebody uh, popcorn. Cause that's a movie snack. Um, num, 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 num. Jenny, you've been popcorned. Thank you. I will accept the, the popcorning. Um, so, right, like Cody mentioned, we chatted the other day, and one of the things I remarked to him was how the fuck his watch list is under 100 movies, because my watch list, I think, has yeah. maybe 280 movies on it, and last year I clocked in about 250, which is still quite a bit, only about a, a couple dozen short films, but still it. So I, I, what I would like to do is make meaningful progress on my watch list and make it not such like a a daunting thing that I, I carry with me all the time. But um, another movie related goal is that I just want to spend a lot more time and have a, maybe I'll, maybe I'll come up with a number. We'll see, but um, I'm studying Korean language and I want to watch more Korean films so I can see what my comprehension is. And um, I just want to do more of that. Cause I think I did about a dozen last year and it's, it's a really like interesting active form of movie watching for me because I'm thinking about the use of the dialogue and I'm thinking about grammar structures and I'm thinking about words that I do or do not know um, and just like idioms in general. And that's been really fun and a little bit slower of a process because then I go back and rewatch certain scenes and trying to understand like, is there um, more formality in their tone or is this person speaking casually in, in this respect? Because um, 
Korean as a language and culture of a lot of uh, hierarchy in tears. Um, so some of that. And yeah, I don't know. It'd be nice to hit around 250 movies again. So that sounds good to me. <laughs> uh, I will. Popcorn Aaron. Yeah. Um, I, uh, over the past, like, uh, uh, three years or so have been going like absolutely nutty with like new year's resolutions and it it never works out. Like I do maybe like a third of them. Uh, I don't know why it, I think it's probably like some sort of post college haze where it's like, I need some sort of structure apart from whatever job I'm working at. Um, but like at the end of every single year, I like make like a massive list of new year's resolutions and I maybe get through a few of them. Uh, this is like no exception. Like the, I made like a big ass list of new year's resolutions. A lot of them are pretty set. Like a lot of them are like, uh, buy a new record player. Cause my record player broke and I need to buy a new one and like buy a new computer chair. But also like I, I have a, a some around like books I want to read and movies I want to watch and whatnot. Um, so there's only a few related to movies. Uh, but let me, let me see what I got here. The first one, uh, I guess tying into this episode, I do want to read this at full speed book about Hong Kong cinema. And I do want to kind of, I guess I don't know how I structure it. I wish there were at the beginning of each essay. I wish there was a, uh, like a list of films discussed in each essay. And then maybe I could watch a few of them. I, I there's a shit ton of movies mentioned in this book. So I'm not going to make my way through, uh, even a lot of them, but, uh, I think that would be a kind of a good structured way to dive deeper into film. So, uh, I'm going to try and read through that book this year as well as watch movies kind of as a way to study while reading it. Um, I would like to, uh, on Letterboxd, I've had a list of, uh, best David Lynch films and the only one I have not seen and I've not seen it. I've watched all the other ones a while ago. And the only one that I've not seen for a very long time uh, is Inland Empire. So this will be the year that I watch Inland Empire. Uh, Hit so me I'm up. Uh, I actually, that that would be one. Usually I think for like a, a film like that, I think I'd usually want to watch it on my uh, TV. However, that movie is filmed uh, on a fucking potato camera. So I have no problem streaming that. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll hit you up. Uh, it is like three, three and a half hours long. So uh, make popcorn hairy, but yes, I will watch that this year. Uh, and then my, uh, I've, I've written down as a flex goal. If I get all my other shit done, uh, this is the year that I do uh, hashtag Tarkovsky watch 2021. I have not seen any of that dude's movies. I know that I will like them. Everybody tells me I will like them. I'm going to watch all that dude's movies this year as, as a flex goal. So if I get all my other shit done, that is one that I will do. So that, that, those are my movie-related New Year's resolutions. Uh, I guess, Harry. Yeah, thanks. I'm, I'm the only option. So um, I guess I'm ironically kind of a New Year's resolution guy, too. Uh, it's ironic because I don't have any goals or aspirations personally outside of those. But um, one of my big ones is that uh, I kind of want to watch a movie every day. Um, I want to watch a movie every day and read a book or two books a month, um, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it is for me because I'm trash. Um, so I guess I'm going to do that. I have a roulette thing going on, um, letterboxd. I'm going to keep up with that so that I, I can avoid having to like figure out what I want to watch. I'm just putting a bunch of movies that I've always wanted to see in the roulette and then, uh, drawing a random number and getting it that way. Um, that's a really fun way to watch movies if, if you're into that. Um, and you don't mind maybe sometimes having to watch something that doesn't fit the vibe um, of what you're looking for. I remember once uh, it was like 
one thirty in the morning when I started and I rolled taste of cherry, uh, which was an, that was like an interesting night. Right. But sometimes that's going to happen. And you that's start kinda, at one thirty in the morning. I don't, I don't know, man. I don't sleep at night. Yeah. Um, I often start a movie at one thirty in the morning too. So you're all sick. Yeah. Um, I I also want to game less. I think I've I've played approximately seventy five to eighty movies worth of Yakuza, um, including several mo- movies worth yesterday. So maybe less of that and more of movies. Um, so yeah, that's that's about what I've got. I'll keep you guys updated, I guess, on how that goes. Um, Jenny, you forgot your other New Year's resolution, which was to be on more movie podcasts. I never said that but i would like to talk about one car why with y'all shut down shut down it's sort of a rashomon situation (laughs) i don't remember this at all so leave me out uh well then i think is that the finale of uh cody's noties for for first of the year yeah it was so wholesome thank you cody for the noties of course. Thanks, y'all. Uh, that was very earnest and honest. That was awesome to hear kind of where everybody's at. Um, I do not intend to like keep anyone accountable for anything because who needs that? Uh, but everybody here is on Letterboxd and I look forward to like see what everybody gets up to very much. So that will be very fun. Um, one of my resolutions is to, well, it's not a resolution because I, I already watched my Letterboxd feed with a magnifying glass. So I will keep doing that, especially with y'all. Wonderful. I'm looking forward to that too. Uh, this has been our, our, our inaugural episode of uh, of the new year, proper episode, and uh, and our first in a series of Wong Kar Wai films playing at the Trilon. Uh, we covered As Tears Go By, 1988, uh, and we'll be going chronologically, I think. I guess we have yet to decide, but um, we'll uh, just, just follow, follow that. Uh, I'm kind of losing my train of thought here. Um, Follow us at Trilove Podcast. Follow the, the Trilon Cinema at Trilon Cinema and go to trilon.org for uh, all sorts of cool things and cool ways you can support them, including getting a pass to watch all of these movies online, uh, virtual streaming, and to be updated on when they're able to open again for uh, in-person showings and uh, merch you can buy and all sorts of cool things. Um, uh, uh, yeah. Jason. I know. I know. It's, it's falling apart. Up, but- yeah. There's, there's, I, I got a lot. Of, I got a lot. Uh, my name is Jason Daphnis. You can follow me on Twitter at Nintendoofus. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I should thank one last time Jenny Ackerson for being on our podcast. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for bringing me back on the pod. Um, I am ecstatic to talk about, uh, well, he became one of my favorite directors the second I turned on the first movie of his. So wow. that's kind of where I'm at with him. But, um, Yes, I, I am on the internet at Ackerson Jenny or Jenny Ack on Letterboxd. Wonderful. I uh, hope to have you on again after the series as well. But uh, until then, uh, I'm just going to drop again. My name is Jason Daphnis. Find me in Nintendoofus, whatever. Whatever indeed. Uh, well done, Jason. Don't worry, it's still early in the year. Uh, but supporting what Jason said uh, earlier, uh, our intent anyway right now is to run through these Wong Kar Wai movies in the same order that the Trilon has been highlighting them through their emailed newsletter. Uh, so if you are not already subscribed to that, uh, you should do that. Um, there are a lot of good nugs in those emails, um, like the things that Jason uh, already mentioned and many more. Um, but stay tuned for that, I guess. Um, I've been Cody Narvison. You can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH. Hey, Jason, uh, what's going on, pal? Do you want to talk about it? at length here on the podcast it seems uh, like you're, you're sort of 
going through something. Uh, we're here. We're here for you. Uh, I'm patting you on the back from across yeah. the lines. My arms are like stretching up, like Mister Fantastic, going through your window very creepily and touching your shoulder. Oh God! Can, can oh God! I it? see them. Oh, I feel What's them. That? Oh my God! He's got a gun. When did you learn <laughs> shiatsu? It's gonna be okay, Jason. Uh, what what is your name, and where can people find you on the internet? It's gonna be okay. uh, yeah, just you know, it's not your fault. Jason's not mad at his names, man. It's gonna be okay, man. What if I it's what if I fault. what if I wanted to be my fault? What if I like to be pushed up against a wall and screamed at Harry? I've been Harry Mack, and you can find me at Stocky Harry. Uh, I'm Aaron. You can find me on Twitter at RB Please. Yeah, I know. I'm Mr. Fishballs. They don't, don't, don't.